and welcome to Herbology. I'm Anne. And I'm Kevin. And in this particular podcast, we are going to cover Constant Craving, Season 1, Episode 6. Written by Alexandra Zaroni, directed by Brett Sullivan. And this one aired on May 6th, 2016. Yes. And as always, the reminder that we will talk about anything and everything from the four seasons of Winona Earp. So be aware if you happen to be new to the show. I feel like we should just have t-shirts that we wear in life that say like caution makes frequent stops and purgatory and just. <laughs> <laughs> and multiple references and everything we bring up. Exactly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so this episode for me, I feel like it, it was another one of those ones where I didn't initially give it a ton of thought, but going back I see how much of the bigger picture was mapped out in front of us and how much was also revealed. Uh, I mean, what was this one like for you? Oh yeah. When we're going back now on the rewatch, the big picture, uh, obviously the, this is big to, to the doll's storyline uh, and, and, and all in terms of what he's going to become. I mean, certainly first time around, I don't know about you. I'd be curious to hear your thoughts. I mean, first time around after several episodes of him as our, you know, authority figure and in charge of everything. It's like, what the heck is going on? Yeah, our big, uh, you know, guy who's coming into town to save the day turns out uh, to have a whole bunch of flaws that we're just kind of figuring out that something's something's not quite right with this guy. Is he even a guy? We don't know we what don't is know. happening. Yeah, I just yeah, like I say, first time through was like, what the heck? Okay, yeah, shots and uh, those eyes at the end and everything else was like, oh my goodness, we are going to go in all directions. Yeah. And it's one of those situations where you feel like you get so many answers, but all those answers just come with more questions. Mm-hmm. Yep. Not only with dolls, but, uh, you know, with Constance and Waverly. And it's just, it's this whole can of worms. You open it up and they're, it's just everywhere. <laughs> yeah. As we're going to come to see over the entire run. Of those of these first four seasons, just like you said, just when we think, ooh, ooh, I'm going, I'm getting more. Oh, no, no, look, all this other stuff just happened. Now I have more questions in other directions. <laughs> so, so right away with this opening fight scene with Dolls and Winona, again, I'm just realizing this pass through that she doesn't win because she actually beat him. It's because he's sick and we don't really know it yet. He's compromised, he's weak, and he needs his lizard meds. I mean, no disrespect to Winona. And she could kick my butt any day. Uh, but here I'm just like going, I don't think she really beat him because she beat him. I think he was at a disadvantage because he's not, he's not doing so hot. Yeah, not at his best. Let's say that. Yeah. Not at his best. But she did take advantage of that to her credit. Absolutely. You know, anytime you got an opponent, you get an upper hand for whatever reason. She certainly swooped in and, uh, you know, again, loving the energy. Oh, yeah. Love the energy. Love the, you know, he's trying to say she's more limber, you know, something's different. He's kind of just making excuses for his poor performance as well. But yeah. And then later on, it's cute because she goes to punch Hetty. And she's like, she references one of the moves he told her in the beginning, like go for the shoulder or something like that. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, that, that's cute. Uh, but in, in this opening scene too, we get the uh, make your peace. That's my jam. Yeah. So yes. That- Thank you. In my notes as well. And uh, we get her actually use it with a revenant at the end to kind of start to start the flow of that going forward. Right. Start the tradition of make your mm-hmm. peace. Yeah. I just, it's another one of those goose, goosey moments for me. I got, I got, got the goosebumps right off the bat. Oh yeah. There's something we'll talk about later that I had serious chills, had to pause and take a few deep breaths on. Oh, really? Can't wait. Yeah. My next, my next notable mention is this big Earp sister moment at the diner. <laughs> uh, just this whole scene, um, you know, Hetty mentions that her mom wonders who keeps doing such terrible things and motions to this like defaced photo on the walls with like mustaches and stuff on them. And Winona says, Oh, probably someone with big bugs up their asses. Um, do you, 
do you take that scene to assume that it's Winona who draws those faces on the pictures? I was leaning that way. This is one of those ones, even on a few watches and seeing some fan discussions for years. I'm like, oh, probably at some point I can totally see her doing that. Yeah, that's I've always taken it, even this pass through. I'm like, she doesn't really give it away with her face. I just feel like it's like, why would they mention it if it weren't how we were supposed to take that? It just seems like a really fun, like, character thing that I could just totally see her doing any moment she got. Mm -hmm. Totally in character. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) And um, I love uh, the part where Waverly says that she knows someday people will see through the noise and understand what a beautiful soul you are. Um, when she says that to Winona. <laughs> and I just, I like this scene. It's short, but it's sweet. And it's kind of like this rare moment of normality between the two sisters where they're just hanging out, catching up, making fun of each other and, and sharing a meal rather than like doing research and demon hunting and all the, the crazy, you know, minutiae of the day. I just thought it was like, it's just so sweet. <laughs> and that the word I love there, cause it was in my notes you and I wavelength um, normalcy. Like you said, it's not end of the world stuff. It's not, uh, you know, all the other big stuff that is going to be constant for the next, you know, four full seasons. Like you said, it's just a couple of sisters and having a great exchange. And Hey, let's face it for most of the characters in the show, we we don't get many of those normalcies. Right. But yeah, definitely something to stick out for, for that reason. And, and like you said, it's brief. It's not like it's, earth shattering but it's it's just nice yeah it doesn't like do a ton for the story other than just like kind of get you in the feels and mm-hmm. just you get you get a little bit there but it's not like earth shattering to the story but i'm so glad it's there mm-hmm. then go to the blacksmith uh, yes. and the um you know they i think this is when winona and dolls are, are sent there to go uh check things out and what I thought was so funny just for myself was the headspace I was in in this scene was I kept pausing and trying to zoom in looking for a sign of the Clanton brand hanging from her rafters. <laughs> and I was like, is it there already? Is it there? And like, if I look hard enough, I will see this like giant Easter egg or something that's been in front of us this whole time. I did not see it. Listeners, if you have better technology and eyes than I do, and you see the Clanton brand among Maddie's collection, please let me know. I'm dying uh, to find out. That's one of those lovely things, though, that, again, early times through, you're not going to have any idea, even if you see it. This is the joy of the rewatch and and connecting two plus two and so forth. So I I love that you brought that up. Yes. I also, my mind went to the fact that when we instantly see her and as we're going to see with our interactions with Waverly a little later, um, obviously we've, we've been introduced uh, to the stone, witch. now we've got the blacksmith as a witch. We're going to meet her sister as a witch. We're going to meet other witches. I just, it's that foundational stuff where first time through it, you just kind of see them onesies, twosies. And now you're realizing there's just so many of them in purgatory. Yeah. It's, it's, it's interesting too, because you forget that some of them, their title is witch. So, you know, the silk witch, like, mm-hmm. it's just, I, I'd actually have to go back and look at everybody's different <laughs> job title <laughs> and find out exactly how many witches we have, because there's quite a few. Yeah. Uh, there must be like a, a witch's coven gathering or something that I, they all go to and figure out what's going on in purgatory. Exactly. <laughs> like, what is your job? What should you do? Great. You got that covered. Um, and I, I like here too that Maddie picks up on dolls not being well. And he just like shrugs it off, saying, you know, it's a cold. And then Winona jokes here that he's not really used to acting normal or human. And I thought that was just really nice foreshadowing there, whether it was meant to be or not. That's how I picked it up is like, yeah, yep. he really isn't normal, or as we're gonna find out necessarily a hundred percent human. Mm-hmm. On both counts, but yeah, yeah, her ability to see that quick and see it quickly. Yeah, Definitely one of those nice eyebrow raising ones. Of, oh, she's onto something dolls. You better get away from her. <laughs> yeah. She's going <laughs> to 
sing like a canary. Uh, <laughs> she also offered to make him a salve. And I'm just so curious what it would have been and what would have happened if he would have taken her up on the offer. Ooh, hadn't gone to that level myself. But yes, I remember that. Like yeah. that was going to somehow cure him of being a lizard. I don't think so. Right. Is there like a salve strong? Like, is there enough coconut oil in the world <laughs> <laughs> to fix a lizard situation? <laughs> I'm thinking not, but you know, it's it's fun for the head to go in that direction. Probably not. And why <laughs> Why didn't he like, just like, oh, you've got nothing to lose. Why not just give a good salve a try? What could it hurt? But a witchy salve, you don't know what else is mixed in you there. You have as no idea what you're going to get. It's going to end up, as we find out from a lot of the other arrangements people make, there's always payback. There's always, you know, there's consequences. Come with a catch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Probably best to pass on the salve, even if you think it'll help you. <laughs> the other really fun thing, too, when you mentioned this scene uh, and we're going to say this probably at least a couple hundred times in the next 40 podcasts we do. But when Winona steps on the landmine, again, another one of Mel's faces. Oh, yeah. If you focus on that, the moment that happens, again, it's subtle, but just oh, so Winona and oh, so perfect. Yeah. And I can't remember exactly what she says there, but the delivery is just so like you're on a landmine, but you're so funny right now. Yep. Like, still got the quips coming. <laughs> like, there's nothing funny <laughs> about stepping on a landline, a landmine, except everything is funny about this right now. <laughs> I know. Uh, just, you yeah. know so I know it though. Yeah. And you never got the sense that of like panic that like, oh no, she's actually going to blow up, which was just, it was nice because it was just this quirky thing in the story. Mm-hmm. Champ and Waverly unloading things. That's my title for this next passage. (laughs) (laughs) This one brought up some questions for me too. And there's a, again, just like all these little scenes have a lot going on in them in my mind. Anyway, Champ is talking about how Curtis spent the last few years of his life going from the Badlands to the Rockies, gathering things and, Um, doing two things. And he says, driving and digging. He had a nose for buried stuff. And then I was like, does he mean literal digging? Was he looking for Constance's boys on purpose? See, for me, I always took that and they never really went any place with it. But I took that as a kind of like opening a door from a story point of view that maybe later on in the series, we'd, we'd find Waverly coming across other artifacts and things that he dug up. Rather than, mm-hmm. rather than for that storyline with Bobo and all and the constant stuff, just stuff around Ghost River Triangle and, you know, other locations that they'd be the great way to introduce certain storylines. Yeah, because I was just like, at first I just took it like, because everything he was taking out of the truck was just kind of like, you know, tchotchke, junky kind of like, you know, one man's trash is another man's treasure kind of thing. And I was thinking... Okay, does he just mean like thrifting, antiquing, that kind of thing? But he's, you know, talking about digging. And then it's like, okay, well, if we jump to the fact that he gifts her with the skull of Constance's boys, I'm like, was he actually digging? And what made him dig? Like, how did how did he end up with the skull, Kevin? This is what I what I'm asking. And again, my head went to, I'm not even sure because it, you know, the blacksmith was also surprised whose skull it turned out to be. So I'm not even sure Curtis knew. I'm just thinking it was part of his, like you said, just at that point in his life, digging things up and having Champ help him a little bit. And somehow he thought that was important. So he gave it to Waverly. But he had to know it was like, you know, he didn't just like put it as an artifact on his mantle like she ends up doing. Then we found out later on. Um, But he actually hides it with this riddle of these clues. So it's just, again, leaves me with so many questions that I guess I didn't stop to think about the first 900 times through. (laughs) Yeah, no, I, I, you know, that's another one of those rabbit holes we can go down. I, I mentally hadn't gone too far there. I just saw more story opportunities that just, it certainly the first couple of times until we got, you know, all four seasons, they had to realize it really wasn't something that we're going to go back to. So I I like how you protect your brain that way. Whereas (sighs) I just like go at it and then suffer the consequences. (laughs) Not that you shouldn't or not that we shouldn't, but I think there's other ones we might uh, have more spirited discussions on as they start to play out in the series. Some of these things, you're right. I do compartmentalize them a little bit like, huh, 
Okay. Like, pin it. Pin in it. I'm going to pin it, <laughs> but I'm not going to come back to it probably unless the story does. Uh, we also in this scene get the great line where Waverly says, because they're not mutually exclusive when Champ asks how, how she can be so pretty and so smart. Yes. Yes. Uh, Definitely iconic, just... iconic Waverly line. Yeah. It's all just starting to, to unravel for Champ, isn't it? Mm-hmm. It's just really s- sticking himself in situations where she's just. She's not going to put up with this anymore, champ. The writing is on the wall. Oh, yeah. And then uh, she finds the note from Curtis that says, every day I sit my beautiful mug in front. There is but one tune, which I just, I would love to find some kind of like mystery note like this. (laughs) Any of my relatives are listening, just hide something for me to find. I think that'd be the best. All you have to do, Anne, is move to purgatory. Oh, okay. Okay. It's still cold there though. So we're going to put a pin in that. <laughs> yeah. It certainly made for some fun though, story-wise and, you know, leading to uh, Waverly getting to hear her sing for the first time. The oh show. my gosh. Yeah. That whole, when I get to that scene, I'll, I'll, I'll admit, my, I'll confess something there. Okay. All uh, right. <laughs> podcast um, pin. Okay. Yeah. Podcast pin. <laughs> Also, the moment why Nona sees the Harley from Curtis in this scene and the way she gasps and her eyes go wide and she shoves Waverly aside and just has this joyous laugh. (laughs) Yeah, I just I love every bit of Mel's face in that scene. It's just so joyful. There we go again, talking about Mel's face. (laughs) (laughs) It's so much fun. I mean, seeing her, he's so excited and. Again, iconically, this is the bike. Yeah, this bike. The bike is is big in this episode. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Oh, I love it. Uh I just, Uh I just Uh don't know, like how she goes to that place of just like pure bliss, like that. It's just, it's so fun to watch. It is. It is, and that's a big part of it. Ear to ear smile on my face, obviously, and all of ours. Oh, absolutely. When Doc goes to the barn uh, to, to, he meets Winona there and he's like asking her if she can set up a meeting with dolls. Um, and she also kind of thinks that he wants to talk about the state of their relationship, but it's just one of those misread conversation moments. The first thing I notice in this scene, Kevin, is a stupid chair hanging up on the, on the ceiling. And I'm like, is that a chair from the wedding? Because now I'm just a crazy person looking for repeat appearances of inanimate objects in this show. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Your little brain is just going to be on overload, aren't you? 40 episodes (laughs) later, I might need to be committed. We we shall see. (laughs) Start a GoFundMe now. (laughs) I'm usually pretty good about noticing some things, but I did not go to the chair on the ceiling. Okay. (laughs) Gotta admit. (laughs) It's a blessing and a curse. Uh, yes, yes. <laughs> I I don't know. I do. You have anything from that scene uh, to take away? I just well, just that it's class. As we're going to come to know, it's going to be classic Doc Winoner as far as their relationship goes. Meaning, you know, let's not talk about anything. Let's just, you know, find other things to talk about except us. <laughs> right. Let's skirt around every. Yeah. Let's not really deal with any of this. Let's have. Let's have each of us, assuming we're talking about something else, as we'll circle back later with a discussion they're going to have in the barn, but we'll save that for later. Um, So yeah, now just a classic Doc and Winona. Winona thinking maybe he's going to talk about it, meaning their relationship or what they did, you know, last time they were together. Instead, Doc just looking for a favor. Which I was was confused at first who he was going for, but then I was like, oh, that's right. He wants to talk to dolls. Mm Mm-hmm. We have this shot where Dolls is on the phone holding his empty vials of what we're later going to find out are his lizard meds, um, speaking to someone and calling them sir. And this initially had me assuming that it was a man. And I never really went back to that. But now knowing um, that when we meet Lucado, he refers to her as sir. I want to put a pin, like I wanted to mention it, but still put a pin in it because I want to talk more about like... um, Emily's decision to refer to her as a sir, but, but I don't think I want to do that until we uh, actually meet Lucado. Okay. Fair enough. But it certainly is letting us know uh, very quickly that, you know, he's not in good graces 
Um, right. You know, I mean, he's been, as we see throughout the whole episode, and I think I didn't catch this certainly first time and maybe a couple early ones because of him needing the meds. I mean, he's getting very frustrated with Inona as she kills revenants left and right instead of capturing them because he needs that evidence as we're going to come to see in a couple of episodes. You know, yeah. and that's coming from Lucado and her bosses that, you know, well, you've got to give us something or we're going to just totally shut this down. Yeah. And I didn't really realize until this past through how much of his actions uh, really, how much of him getting his medication really hinged on him providing things that BBD wanted, yeah, um, holding up some kind of deal that he's made with them. Um, and uh, yeah, some of his frustration with Winona and, you know, not only it being that and, and also just like he's shaky and not feeling well, like he's really uh, unraveling, so to speak. Yeah. Yep. We're watching, you know, again, like we discussed, I don't want to, I don't know if I'd say the word vulnerable, but we're seeing that he's not impervious, you know, like he yeah. seemed like uh, rock solid and everything and between his exchanges with this person over the phone and his need for the meds. We're like, well, dude, this, you know, he's shooken up my foundation of some of the characters and their relationships and what they're going to mean. Yeah. And I never thought like, I never really thought like that he could be something else, but this, if you were thinking he was something else would pretty much rule out revenant at this point, because we hadn't really seen a revenant that needed a medication. So that definitely turns things around. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I never went to the revenant concept myself with him, but you know, definitely something under control, you know? Yeah. I mean, I wasn't sure we could trust him, but that just being like a good guy, bad guy kind of situation, not demon or revenant or lizard for sure. That was never on my <laughs> bingo card. <laughs> no, it was not on the list. Not yet. <laughs> and as we know, Casey always thought werewolf and was really hoping for werewolf, but <laughs> yes, didn't get that. Well, lots of folks were waiting for werewolves for quite a while in the show. But... <laughs> Finally got one. Yep. Um. Also, just like the scenery when they go to the Tate Farm with the snowy mountains as this gorgeous backdrop. And did just... you cheat and look at my notes? No. <laughs> <laughs> and here's why in my notes for that, for that very same topic, because as you look, when we get there and take a look at that, that home, if you will, that house, that's Nicole's house. Is it? Yes, because I was on set, remember? Of course I remember, Kevin. <laughs> so I'm just telling you right now, yes, it's the same home. Just, you know, part of this is what's interesting is seeing Nicole's place and having been in that backyard and looked out over that vista and how gorgeous it is. It really brought it rushing back to me from this episode. That yeah, was something that hadn't really clicked in until I saw them take some of those long shots. It was like, oh, now, my goodness. Was it snowy when you went? Uh, very little on the ground. There was snow on the ground, but it wasn't like it was a foot of snow or something. Now, we were there. Does, we were late March, so it was quite cold, but it wasn't as snowy. Does the cinematography do the landscape justice? No, no. Because like I say, when we were standing in back of that home, looking out over that fence towards the trees and all, like I say, just absolutely gorgeous. I mean, they do a great job. There's lots of great vistas shown in the show, but man, until you can stand there and see it just for miles, it's it's really something. Yeah, which is even more amazing because in my notes, I'm like, the fact that that's real and just this location is blessed with that <laughs> that panorama. <laughs> yeah, and 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 then to hear that it, the gorgeousness that we see that I'm just so amazed by is just a fraction of what it's like in real life. Yeah, that's you what know, it is. None it's of a, this is CGI or anything like that, but no, it's just like, we just get God, little glimpses. Amazing. And, and again, saying it's Nicole's house again, we don't get outside shots of it in the show. I mean, that whole fight between Winter Mercedes and, and Nicole and Waverly. Um, all we really got was Nicole opening the door with Widow Mercedes standing there. That's, you know, looking out in that direction of the other house that's right near there. But, that is the same building. It is the same location. 100% can confirm. <laughs> <laughs> but my note literally says just the beauty yeah. of, of the view. Exclamation yeah. point. Because, yeah, it is. It's really something there. Yeah. Um, and then we have a scene where Doc finds Bobo. You know, <laughs> Doc is in disguise as basically mutt from Schitt's Creek <laughs> in, a, in a safety vest. 
<laughs> a visibility vest. How, how uh, like out of character does Doc look just wearing boots and construction? I know, getup. it's so funny. And then it's like in my head, I'm like, well, but kind of like mutton shit's great. <laughs> um, and he finds Bobo's hidden bones. And Bethany, you know, gives us a little bit of the story about how these were scattered all over purgatory. Um, and that Bobo's looking for them for some crazy well-dressed person who we now know is, is Constance. And Bethany doesn't fare too well in this episode. No, and, poor Bethany. Uh, she hitchhikes and gets picked up in a box truck and there's a lot of blood. <laughs> and I really thought she was a goner, but as we know that unfortunately for her, this isn't how she meets her maker, which it probably would have been better off for her. If it this might is have how been, she went, yes. but we're going to see later. We'll get to that. Yes. This wasn't the actual last we see of her. <laughs> uh, this is probably one of my favorite scenes coming up in in I, it's really hard for me to pick favorite favorite of all time scenes but this is like one of my top 40. we can definitely say one of the top favorites <laughs> yeah one of my <laughs> top that? 40 maybe we won't put you on the spot for one I could but... never do a top five that's for sure um <laughs> but waverly trying to figure out curtis's riddle i i just love this whole reveal how it goes on over several scenes uh it's one of my favorite elements of the show. I think it's underrated. It's so Indiana Jonesy, where she's just like figuring out the riddle. And then we have the singing, of course. We this is like where we get our first glimpse of that Dom can actually sing. Uh, and I rewound. I know it's a simple like children's song, but the way they sing it was just so enjoy like so enjoyable that I find myself rewinding it several times because it's just so melodic I can't help myself <laughs> we had some fun on our very first interview that Bonnie and I did at Tales of the Black Badge with Dom talking about that you know and and as most folks know with their uh, natural British accent um you know they talked a bit about it on on the interview how going in and out <laughs> of accents can be a challenge and singing just complicates it. I couldn't remember if this was a story that I had heard. I remember hearing that it was difficult for them. Um, but did they actually end up having to do it in ADR? I don't think so. Unless though, okay. so, all of it was done as ADR anyway. I just remember Dom talking about it being a bit challenging. Okay. Um, but yeah, so Pop Goes the Weasel and then how like playing the chords on the piano then open up the secret compartment to reveal the skull, which is. Oh, come on now, only... Champ thought it was like millions of dollars. Well, he was very hopeful, <laughs> <laughs> but that, that like complete like opposite of where she's just like, oh, my God, this is the best ever. And he's like, a uh, million dollars would have been the best ever. Just the, the, the juxtaposition between. Like yeah, how they think expectations. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that the skull not only is, you know, the skull, but it has a note between the teeth. So now we've got like an additional element to the story. And it just says, Waverly, darling, you are now the keeper of the bones. Guard this and tell no one but the blacksmith. You're the only one I can trust. Love Uncle Curtis. So not only does it deliver this fun mystery, but it gives us the sweet background of how like supportive Curtis was for Waverly and her higher learning. And then it also gives us this interaction where Waverly's talking a lot about like her deep feelings. And then we just have Champ saying, yeah, yeah, let's shut that brain off. And it's just this light bulb moment for Waverly. And she's like, no, no more. She doesn't want to shut her brain off. And she does. She definitely doesn't want to be a barmaid in Buenos Aires. Um, and she just doesn't want like any more of this with champ. And she tells him we're done. And it's like, Boom. Yes! <laughs> so we've got our moment. <laughs> this is like such a pivotal moment in like where everything is going to go now. Right. We're free of this schmuck. And like at this point, we don't know because we haven't seen Nicole. No. So several episodes like, since we have. That could have just been, you know, that was it. Mm hmm. But now that I have seen it all and I know I'm watching this and I'm like cheering like I'm at the Super Bowl. <laughs> well, it's big. It's big stuff. It certainly is. It's 
growth of her character. She says, we're done, champ, and I've got work to do. And boy, does she ever. She's, uh, she's got some things to, to go on and do in the next uh, three seasons. Emily's discussion with Bridget in the TV Junkies postmortems here is just so funny because Bridget asks, will that break up with champ stick and what lies ahead for her as a single woman? And Emily says, I anticipate a few years of her traveling around Europe, just finding herself. (laughs) Bridget says, eat, pray, loving. Emily says, eat, pray, loving. The fans won't have a problem with that. Not like there's anyone waiting in the wings and laughs. I love how it's like in brackets laughs because I could just see Emily plotting and laughing all at our expense, right? That's right. (laughs) (laughs) That's why I love going back to look at those postmortems now. We know what's coming. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. Another fun scene, just like, again, we're like having fun with a skull. Uh, Waverly shows up to the blacksmith (laughs) with a skull and an $8 bottle of Pinot. (laughs) (laughs) I just think it's like, it's so Waverly, like... What she brought a housewarming gift, but no, it turns out the wine's mostly for her because she's a little freaked out that her uncle just left her a skull. Yep. Uh, but it's those little lines where she like says, hell no, the wine's mostly for me. My favorite uncle in the world just left me this. And it shows the skull that these little lines make the show so much fun for me. Just like such great writing. Just these little nuggets of like, that's funny. And sometimes I don't even know why I think it's funny. I'm just like, that's funny. <laughs> it's you know, more endearing stuff as we're getting to know these characters now, six episodes in. Uh, this whole situation with the blacksmith too. Um, Waverly's just so trusting, so willing to do whatever she was led to do, right? She like, she gets the note. Okay, this is what he tells me to do. I'm just going to go do it. And then we see her going through this whole like kind of scary ritual involving ash and earth and air and water and fire and like at one point the hot poker is like right over her hand. And it's like, I'm not even sure if she's going to get branded at this point or not. And then it turns out she's, she's bound to the skull. And then we get that great part where the, the blacksmith says, Waverly Earp, you are now open to receive this fragment of man into your life. Do you accept? <laughs> she says, I do. Wait, did I just marry a skull? <laughs> <laughs> that audio clip, man, that was big back when the first oh. season was airing. Cause it was again, just, quintessential Waverly at this point. Yeah. (laughs) Just like, absolutely. Wait a minute. (laughs) Like you said, she is so trusting our little Waverly. (laughs) Yeah. And this is the moment, um, you know, where she says keeper of the bones and the stone, which is son. And she's even startled because she's like, wait a minute. I never even knew that that's what this skull was. That, that was a big surprise. I mean, she has seemed so knowledgeable on things and to have that just come out when she did the, spell, if you will, or whatever it was, that was like a, whoa, oh. Yeah. It just kind of like slipped. It like passed through her. She didn't even know the words were coming out kind of situation, I think. Yeah. And if we go back a few minutes from when Doc was in the shed, looking at the bones, you know, you can see that one of them is missing a skull. So right. it's like a perfect puzzle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And how that all just fits together mm-hmm. in the story is really fun. We've got some more stuff going on at the the Tate Tate Farm, Tate Ranch. Um, and Wynonna's kind of starting to wonder what's going on with dolls. You know, she she mentions that he has like um, fever sweats, but he doesn't physically feel warm. Boundaries. He's just, yeah, just <laughs> like brushing The two of them off. and their exchanges, I think, is what's really great, too, in this. Because I also think for Wynonna, she's the one doing a great job, if you will, kind of putting things together doing the investigation side of it, like when she killed the first one mm-hmm. and, and she's the one who mentions the dolls, you know, he, he said, you know, us or we or whatever. So, you know, realizing there's more we definitely see, you know, she's becoming a little more on top of it, a little less just the sidekick. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, her powers of deduction are really good. I and mean, even at the, um, back at the office, when she's trying to piece together like these timelines, like something's just adding up for her, but yet not adding up where she's like, this is all seems to be connected to each one of the the heirs, but she can't exactly tie in the the timeline. Um, but you can see how she's really starting to to piece the puzzle together. Um, and then it turns out with this baddie that yeah, they've got this hidden area in the field, and uh, they ate their hotel guests. Yeah. Again, another reminder, which we talked a couple episodes back of not kind of remember. At least I wasn't remembering how much. 
there are horror elements, especially in season one and early in season one. If you're going to go cannibal, that's definitely going down. Yeah. And that one scene in the kitchen where she was just hacking up all the yeah. bits. Like, ooh, that was a lot right there. Yeah. Let alone squeamish side. Of butcher shop. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, then we have that other nugget, too, where um, when the cannibal mama, uh, Olive, I guess her name is, she bites dolls and she says he's spoiled. Something's wrong with him. And he's like, I'm just an acquired taste. Um, so again, this episode's giving us these indicators that dolls is, is not okay. It's yeah. When, when we have that scene, up. I think for me, that's when I realized, okay, this isn't just some like condition he has or something. Mm-hmm. Um, that he is something, you know, even before we got the eyes bit, but yeah, that, so that was just, Again, great job of, of dropping enough nuggets for us to create lots of discussion about uh, what is he. At one point, Winona jumps down that cellar that cellar door, and I've always kind of felt like I, this is another one of those areas where I kind of go back and I'm like, I always superhero. felt like this was a little superhuman. Yeah, yeah. superhero-y. It's like totally like a Black Widow kind of like like landing that she sticks. She it's sticks just, the landing, right, with the total turnaround with the gun. Very yeah, cool. As she so says. good. <laughs> yeah, a little bit of the does she have any powers or still wondering at this point so, yeah and i kind of like not knowing yeah it's not blatantly obvious not like she flew or something you know you just right like, oh that was pretty adept <laughs> right is she just really like skilled or does she have a little something else we don't know uh-huh. maybe she's born with it maybe it's maybelline <laughs> we don't know <laughs> Okay, now you're dating us. A <laughs> <laughs> oh, little show of hands there in the back, gang. How many this folks is, don't know that reference? This is for the 40 and over crowd. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and then we also get the the weird guy we've never seen before and never see again in the park uh, exchanging uh, a lunch, shall we say, with dolls. I, like, I love and, lunch. Uh, <laughs> yeah, bring, thanks for bringing him a lunch. <laughs> And uh, he says that he's been cut off from getting his supply. And basically is like, whatever you've done to get cut off, you need to fix this because I can't keep sneaking around. Um, And we kind of get this sense too of like BBD, you know, we don't really know about BBD, but we're starting to get this impression that um, we should maybe be a little afraid of BBD (laughs) because you know, this guy seems more than just a little afraid that like, it's not like he's going to get caught stealing a pen from his workplace. Like, this <laughs> is like something bigger um, and that he does not want to be involved in this at all. And then when he gets back, he runs into dolls and uh, dolls really kind of gives him the once over here. And it's almost like he sniffs it out of him. He just reads him so well and you know he he thinks that basically he's a druggie um yeah it's the classic stuff isn't it to doc's credit he's doing a good job of picking up on all of it. yeah mm-hmm. and it's that whole you know we see it with them over and over again this kind of like this uh standoff they kind of have with each other um th- this exchange where dolls warns doc to stay away because you know he's going to end up getting winona killed and i like that he's he's showing that it's more than just like, this is my, my work partner, my partner in crime, but it's, you start to feel that it's more, more than that. It's not just that he's worried about her that way. It's like, he, he really starts, he's starting to care about her, about her welfare. Doc just kind of thinks dolls is the competition. And I think here's where I really start to get the sense that like, okay, these two are going to, mm-hmm. Here's we've got our love triangle for sure set in motion. And also for me, it, it got me starting to think here at this point, too, that, you know, uh, Doc is, you know, the consummate poker player. He's keeping everybody at a distance, even if he and Winona did hook up. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, when he's starting to see what Dolls is acting like and what that impact might be on Winona, I think this is also, to me, when Doc is starting to emotionally get more attached to her and to the team, if you will, so... It's important, you know, for the development. And, and absolutely, I mean, absolutely. And we see that um, in our next barn scene where, you know, Winona's in there with her motorcycle. She's polishing it up and Doc walks in and he tells her that, you know, it's pretty optimistic to be shining it up right now. And she's, she's like, yeah, it's winter now, but a girl's got to be ready. And then she says, you never, never know, know when a clear stretch, stretch of road, road in the <laughs> right, right moment, moment will, will come, come along. along. 
tell me that didn't oh. make you instantly think of 412. This whole part <laughs> is 412 for me, Kevin. That's why I'm I like... say this was the goosebumps. Like, oh, my God. I just had to stop and take a breath. Like, oh, my gosh. And, and her, this is when uh, her yeah, follow-up. I, I open up a, a, another document at this point in my note writing, typing out questions <laughs> for me to ask Emily at any point in time that I ever get a chance to ask Emily a question, right? Because that's where my brain goes. Um, and yeah, and so then they have this exchange about trust and happiness. And what I find so interesting is Doc saying that, you know, happiness is a myth. And we have Winona of all people saying, no, I had it before. It's real and it's worth fighting for, which given the state of things this past weekend, I'm just like, oh, it's worth fighting for, right? It's like you, it means what you want it to mean in, in some aspects. And it's always made me wonder when that happy time was for Winona that she's referencing, but not going into detail about, you know, was mm -hmm. it? Because we know that there's so much unhappy that's happened in Winona's life. So it's just, I've always wondered, like, what was that moment that, like, it, people will sometimes say, like, um, if you're, like, going through a rough time, like, just go to your happy place. Go to your happy place in your head. And some people have, like, a physical happy place. Like, often mine is the beach. Um, but I just wonder, like, if you were to say what she's saying is that happy moment for her. But then she goes on to basically friend zone doc, which I think is good at this point in time because she's got a lot on her plate and a relationship really wasn't the best idea for her at this time. But he mentions that if she ever needs company, he's available. And then she says, I think I'm better traveling solo for, for now. now. For taking, now, Kevin. Taking all my quotes. That's why the scene was just... <laughs> OMG, rewind. OMG, rewind. <laughs> yes. I just like, I'm watching it and I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. what? What? Whoa. What did you just say? And it's. How many it's, times did you, me, and many of you probably listening in your first however many times through the show before we got to season four? Th those lines are nice, but they just go in one ear and out the other until yeah. we see what comes to be until we see 412 <laughs> the weight the meaning and you know so and the fact often she's the saying series, part of this while sitting on the motorcycle that they're gonna drive off on kevin my whole body is <laughs> full of goosebumps right now <laughs> she you know so often in the series she thinks she's alone but often she's not and you can't help but flash to season four finale with that clear stretch of road and her right moment, the moment that she and Doc are going to go have their happiness and she's no longer traveling solo. Mic drop and a podcast. It's been fun. Bye. <laughs> I'm just like, this is episode six. <laughs> this is why I've been saying emotionally, I've been posting myself, folks. I've been pacing it very much because we're going to start dating a lot of this. <laughs> a lot harder as we keep moving through the series and we're only in six. So peace myself. It's a marathon, not a sprint. She is on the motorcycle <laughs> with the man that is her end game. <laughs> Talking about happiness, traveling solo, clear stretch of road in the right moment. I mean, my in my brain, I just see them driving down that clear day on the road it's just it's insane i gotta take a breath okay yes yes it is and like how i don't know how the process goes so it's like did did emily and alexandra and everyone else involved go backwards and put weave that in or is it just like it's just such a well-crafted story that it was just always there like I don't know. I don't know that I need to know because it's so much of the like the magic in my head. It's like sometimes you like to see behind the scenes movie magic or like just magic tricks in general. And then there's sometimes when you just don't want to know because you just want the magic to be there. 
Don't it's, peel back the onion too far sometimes. Just appreciate what it appears to be if what it appears to be makes you very happy. It makes me so happy. Yes. Like, again, sometimes I start these episode rewatches and I'm like, I don't remember this one being that big of a deal. <laughs> Hot's not even in this one, for crying out loud. What is, what's in this episode for me? <laughs> oh. mm-hmm. And then I'm like, come again? What? <laughs> What did she just say while sitting on that shiny motorcycle? What is happening right now? <laughs> yeah, because on this watch through, uh, I'm watching that scene, appreciating it. But until those words come out, and I totally like, not just hear them, but when the words register with what it means and the connections fire off in the brain, that is when it's the pause. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I just make that up? No, no, no. Rewind. <laughs> Exactly. Did so I, I watch I, with I, captions, uh, yeah. right? Did I maybe think too hard and it? Oh no, no, no! Look at that. When I look at the words on screen, I didn't actually hear it that way. That was just wishful thinking. No, that's right. exactly what it was. I, I'm I'm watching this and I'm hearing it, and it's not that she's saying one of the quotes that we hear over and over again. That like you know, sometimes you're kind of absently watching, and then you hear a quote, and you're like, oh, I know. Yeah, I know that. It one. piques your interest. So it wasn't that this was a quote. It wasn't what she said verbatim. It's how that that line she said, I'm watching a scene in my head, like my eyes are seeing this, my ears are hearing this, but inside my brain is a whole other episode playing where I can see the motorcycle going down the clear stretch of road. And I'm like, is that what's happening right now? Is this what I'm is this what I'm hearing and seeing? And is this how this is tying in in my brain? And again, like you said, I rewound and I was like, okay, I got to write this down because this is, this is my, and, and I love, thought. I love that we both have it. Boom. Front and center in notes to be sure to talk about. <laughs> was this the moment where early on you were like, there's going to be a big goosebump moment for me. Was this the big goosebump yeah, that moment? Was, this was big goosebumps. Big, yeah. big, big, big. Again, in an episode six, it's about cannibals and some other stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We're going to hit you right in the gut and make you have to sit down for a second and take a breath. <laughs> right. But again, at you know, all that's great at that point in time. But until you get their relationship and you get everything else and like that same thing wouldn't slap that hard even in season three, it's not until you get to season four, specifically 412, that that hits the way it hits. This is an audio podcast, but I am <laughs> hurting my neck, just, yeah, just nodding shaking. yes over and over to everything you're saying. <laughs> I love it. And then my, my, my last tie-in was just a little bit of the BTS, which for this episode was titled Sex, Drugs, and Rock and Roll. <laughs> And it uh, it just covers a little bit about this drug Dolls is taking and the relationship why known as, you know, these relationships she's potentially bounding back and forth between Doc and Dolls. And I just thought it was really fun when Emily talks about, um, she says, what's up with this mysterious substance Dolls is shooting into his leg? I don't think it was Kool-Aid. <laughs> I, just, I just love her delivery. It's just, I don't think that was Kool-Aid. Nope. I'm not going to tell you what it was, but it's probably not cool. Pay attention to that. Wink, wink, AA. Yeah. <laughs> I also loved in the postmortem, um, again, thinking back to first time through the series, uh, when Bridget asks uh, specifically about, uh, we seem to be flying through the seven awfully fast. Uh, should we expect that story to be resolved by the end of season one? And I remember myself thinking as things were starting to play out, I thought once we got the seven and that idea of her taking them, I thought, oh, this is going to be a good little like subset of the 77. You know, if we get to the end of season one and she gets all seven, mm-hmm. you know, that would be a good expected storyline. But no, what Emily says, which comes to be true, certainly for all of us who've watched the four seasons so far, when she said, nope, were you really like a runaway Bronco as far as I'm <laughs> There will be plenty left for, for Winona to do. So, yeah, I was one of those people who was very surprised that she was able to knock off the seven, you know, well before the end of season one. But just another example of not wasting any story or dragging our stories out. She also says something in there about um, how the the last of the seven is is a bit of a biggie and uh, a a surprise at the end. And 
I remember being, we'll definitely get into that next time, put a pin in that, but I remember being completely blown away. And this was another thing I like opened up my document to like fire off my potential list of things to ever ask Emily if <laughs> stuck in an elevator with her somewhere. <laughs> elevator problem, wish list. The problem that, that will happen having done this several times myself is that Emily is so smart and funny. She'll be going on and you'll be, you'll, you'll just be too busy being enthralled with listening to her and what she has to say sometimes to narrow her her down and be able to ask the questions. Exactly. It's just a bit of a, bit of a panic before you can even open that word document. <laughs> I think uh, that's all I have for this one. Uh, I say that all I have, because I feel like, you know, there are no throwaway episodes in this show. Nope. We got no filler, no throwaways. We're going to find stuff that's going to tie the other things in everyone. And it's just, it is like that ratchet. We're cranking it up, cranking it up. Because as you know, we're a couple away from some really big stuff and Nicole's come back and all kinds of other things are coming. This next one. That's a good one. That's a good one. <laughs> we say that a lot. <laughs> we say that all the time. Well, thanks for listening to us. Again, we had a great time. If you want to uh, send us an email, you can do so by emailing us at herbologypodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, tell us if you picked up any of the things we were laying down this time, or if you thought something completely different, or we brought up something you hadn't even thought of before. You can do that, like I said, through the email, or you can uh, DM us on Twitter at herbology underscore pod. And you can also visit us at the website, herbologypodcast.com and leave us a voicemail by clicking on the microphone in the bottom right hand of the page. Yeah, it'd be awesome. Whichever method you folks might like to use, we're getting some emails and some Twitter stuff, uh, observations, agreeing, disagreeing, having fun. We love to hear from all of you on it. That's what makes this journey so much fun is the whole Orper community folks. So please do feel free, whatever you're comfortable with, reach out, yeah. let us know. And who knows, I might get Kevin to say boobs again. You just never know. <laughs> I love that folks picked up on that more in the comment. <laughs> if you can't tell, we're having a lot of fun here. We're having fun. I'm just got to stay on brand. You know? when, it is. When the show gives you things like boobs, you, you pick them up. What are you going to do? <laughs> all right. Well, we'll see you next time. Take care, all. Bye. I love that. I love that it can totally still surprise me five years in.